You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil and all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white, let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life, and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seems great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Um, I'm a natural storyteller, and so I want to start off with a story. I want to share something with you. Um, this week has been a very uh, difficult work week for me, right? So Pastor Christian gives me, um, sends me a text on a Thursday evening. My wife and I were just getting off of work, and I look, I, you know, you get the notification, your phone is buzzing, and I'm just like, okay, who is this? And it says Pastor Christian on there. So I open, open up the message, and I'm reading, and all of a sudden, uh, I read the words, hey, bro, do you want to come and uh, be a guest speaker at, at, at Reality uh, Church of Stockton? And I was just like, I don't know if I really want to respond to this, <laughs> because if this is the wrong Anthony, and I oblige, and he's like, no, I met the other Anthony that has the same initials, but it's Anthony Lee or something, right? <laughs> like, then that's going to be very embarrassing. And all of a sudden, 
I'm over overwhelmed. So anyway, obviously I'm here, so you guys know how, how it played out. But um, overall, not two days later, I start feeling ill, right? I got body aches. I'm just not feeling myself. All my kids, all of a sudden on a Saturday morning, want to wake up and they're bright. Uh, smiley faces are greeting me and I'm looking like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Just like, get away from me. My heart is not in the right place. Don't talk to me, you know? So take a couple of days, I just rest. And on Monday, I'm feeling great. So I begin the preparation of, of sermon uh, prep and I'm just like, okay, going to work. The rest of the week seems really, really good. Fast forward to Friday and all of a sudden, I drop my wife off, I'm driving into the parking lot of, uh, on 2820 South B Street, that's where I work at, Progressive Community Church, and I discover something, that something is wrong with my car. The battery light comes on, and I'm thinking to myself, now wait a minute, we just spent like $7,000 trying to get this car fixed. This shouldn't be happening, right? This is unfair. And so I do what any good Christian does. I pray superstitiously, thinking about whether God will direct my paths and allow me to drive on the highway and get safely to my destination. And I'm like, Lord, if you just get me here, I'll be okay. And I prayed specifically that it's just the battery that needs to be replaced. So my mechanic comes up, he tells me, he says, hey, Mr. Leak, you know, we've always got you. You don't have to worry about a thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, man. He says, we're going to take care of you, Mr. Leak. And you know, that's always a red flag when someone tells you that. Um, because it's so subjective. Am I right? Taking care of somebody can be extremely subjective. So he says, I'll give you a call in two hours. So that two hour uh, time frame comes, it goes. It's 30 minutes past that two hour. Uh, Mark, and I already know deep down in the depths of my soul, I don't know if it was like Holy Spirit intuition or what, but all of a sudden, I'm just like, this is going to cost a lot of money, right? He, he finally calls me, and we're playing phone tag for a minute, and all of a sudden, he tells me, he says, he gives me like this, this long list of everything that's just wrong with the vehicle, and I'm looking like, okay, Jose, just give me the bottom line. What are we talking about? How much money? And he gives, he just drops it on me. He says, okay, hey, remember, I'm going to take care of you, bro, right? And it's almost like a false reassurance. And he says, $4,200. I said, let me call you back. <laughs> and you know how you're just anxiously looking and waiting for a check to mysteriously hit that bank account? because you don't know you have that money. You know you don't have that money. But I was thinking about this, and I share this story as a great illustration for maybe like the first six verses in Ecclesiastes chapter nine. The preacher is giving us a, a sobering truth that life is difficult, that problems and pains, they come our way, and sometimes we can avoid them, but oftentimes they come unnoticed and they don't respect how much you have in your bank account. They're just there. All of a sudden, I'm understanding on a more, not just an intellectual level, but even more so on a personal level, that this God that you and I serve, 
although I understood cognitively that he's sovereign, that he has providential rule over our individual lives, that sometimes, just like the preacher says in the tail top end of verse 3, guess what? This just is unfair. And sometimes that, what it does, when we make that the refrain of our life, it inevitably leads us to frustrations. It makes us just focus on the here and the now. It never gives us hope for a better future. And so the preacher is sort of like um, that friend that everyone needs in their lives, but no one wants to see come around because they're going to just tell you, how, tell you the truth. But we need that truth. And here's the truth that the preacher finally acknowledges. It doesn't matter if you are righteous, if you are wise, if you are living for the Lord. Eventually, all the works that you and I are trying to cleave onto and hold on to dear life for will eventually be gone because and forgotten about. If you, if you make it on the Hollywood uh, star of uh, uh, walk of fame, guess what? People will be walking on that, right? They, they will bypass that. They might stop for a minute and look, but the reality is death is coming. And I was trying to think of some whimsical way of tying all this together and not giving you guys certain information that's already been proclaimed to you uh, already. But the, but the reality is sometimes those truths are the ones that we need to hear the most. And I see a lot of young faces, and most of us aren't even considering death. What we're doing is what David Brooks talks about. He says, I'm living my life for the resume virtues. And you know what I'm talking about. Those resume virtues are things that we build our lives upon. They're the foundations that we have, have set up for ourselves, and we're not thinking about God in those moments most of the time. We're only thinking about how this will impact me and my family in the immediate right now. But the preacher says, you don't need to forget about death. Even though once you have your expiration date to, to the grave, um, all the things that you worked for, we begin to understand quickly are like vapor. They're like mist, right? If you're living your life for money, then it's going to disappear. If you're living your life for your family, there may be trouble that's going to come your way. If you're living your life just to make it up and climb up the corporate ladder, what happens when you don't get that promotion? Right? And it seems like as if life is unfair because it's one thing, like I said before, for us to acknowledge that God is sovereign and he's providential over the entire universe, but also our individual lives. It's another thing to actually grab hold of that truth, embrace that truth, let it take root in our lives. And all of a sudden we're walking, not forgetting about death. We're looking in the rearview mirror, but we're also pressing forward in, in the present with hopeful expectation. Because that's what, he's, what he says in verse 4, isn't it? He says, but this hope, but there is hope. And although I don't think he was 
because he doesn't have the full divine revelation that you and I have, we know how the story ends. Death isn't the final destination, but he also is helping us have a picture. He says, don't you forget about death, especially when you're young, but don't fixate on death either. Because what does it do? It robs us of present joys. It robs us of future hopes. It robs us of even being able to daydream and think about anything other than our present. How are you living your life? What dreams and plans? Are you living your life for the resume virtues? Or, as David Brooks will go on to say in his book, The Road to Character, you should be living your lives not just for the resume virtues, but also for the eulogy virtues. Let me put it another way. In other words, what he's saying is you and I need to really begin to think about how we are living our lives, what impact we're having for the kingdom of God, because now we have to, once we are tethered and attached, once we are accepting this invitation to walk with Jesus, guess what happens? We are no longer living for ourselves. No, this is what Jesus says. He says, if you want to be my disciple, what do you need to do? You need to take up your cross daily and die to yourself. This is what Paul says. He says, if you're going to live for the eulogy virtues, you must crucify your your flesh, the desires of the flesh, because we know that those things are not profitable. The only thing that is profitable and the only thing that is guaranteed is our lives go on if we are living for God. And this is our hope. Now, I really like this almost euphemism that he uses at the tail end of verse four. He talks about there's hope, but guess what? Um, not only is there hope for the future, but you, you can, um, how many of you guys have pets? Maybe like a dog or something. Show of hands, yeah? Okay, I, all right. So pets in the ancient Near East, as many of you know, they were despised. They were without honor. But lions were honorable animals. They were majestic they were strong. They signified tenacity and strength, right? Those would be the people that are just go-getters. But all of a sudden, he, it's almost as if the preacher is inverting this thing. And in other words, what he's saying is our lives are more analogous to this despised dog when we are not attached or walking with God. Um, and it's better for us to live our lives in a way where people are not talking about us, where people are not retweeting us, where people are not sharing our reels from Instagram or TikTok, right? Or uh, than it is for us to actually receive the honor while we're dead. You see? What are you living and basing, what are we living and basing our lives on? Is it this hope that is eternal? Or is it just temporaneous satisfaction? And so he says, don't you forget about death. We need to think about death. Why? Why? Because as we are thinking about death, it sobers us to the reality that life is a gift that God gives to each and every single one of us. You guys, we are all, 
well, I'm standing, you guys are sitting, right, as participants in listening to this word. But guess what? This gift of life that you have, no matter the circumstances that you find yourself in, if it's economic difficulties that you are experiencing, guess what? God is still good. If it is relational issues that you are experiencing, God is still good. If you are um, single and you want to mingle, God is still good. God's good, and that's the truth that he wants us to see, that in lieu of this reality that we are now accepting as true, that one day death is coming, it's going to knock on our door, and it's no respecter, listen to me, of age. And you ask me, how do you know that? On March 21st, 1997, our family lost someone dear to us. She was only eight months old. And it left an indelible image on our lives. Not for the better, but almost like what the preacher says. I want to accept this truth, but this one, God, is hard to accept. And we all know what, we're talk- what I'm talking about. Because each and every single one of us comes in here week by week, maybe day by day, praying and asking God, Lord, if you are sovereign, help me not to just understand this on a cognitive level. Help me to embrace this on a practical level. And so he says, listen, I know I, he kind of hits you in in the jaw uh, and in Uh, You're stunned for a minute, right? If you're like me, you can't fight very well. Um, And you're just looking like, help, (laughs) right? But he, he eventually goes on and he says, because you're living in lieu of this reality, that death is coming, you don't have to forget about death. Neither do you have to fixate on death. And this is what he says in verses 7 through 10. He talks about, I'm just summarizing it, right? He talks about how you and I are supposed to enjoy the pleasures of life. Go and eat bread. Drink wine. Um, Make sure your clothes are ironed and they look nice, right? Go get that haircut. Go get a manicure. Take that vacation that you've been talking about but haven't yet, still haven't done right? He says, enjoy the pleasantries of life in lieu of this reality that death is coming. But it's not our final destination. And if we want to walk wisely as faithful followers of Jesus, then we have to take seriously what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe it's verse 53 or around 54. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Death has been defeated. Oh, death, where's your victory? And then he goes on and he says, death and sin no longer have the authority and the power that it once held over your heads. So you don't have to worry about it. Why? Not because of how we've, how, how good we've lived. No, Paul says in Romans that our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. In comparison to the holiness 
in the glory. You guys know what that word means, glory, right? It literally means weightiness of God. His beauty is unmatched. His, his power is unparalleled. His, his thoughts are un, incomprehensible. But we get to serve a God who decided to leave his, his abode. Why? For people that he knew would be unfaithful unfaithful. And so the preacher goes on. He says, you want to live wisely. This is how you begin to live wisely. You begin to acknowledge that life is temporaneous. This body of mine will one day be buried six feet under, underground. But I and you, for those of us who have already accepted this beautiful invitation to come and follow Jesus, guess what? We get to have a second opportunity at life. Is that good news for anybody? A second chance at life, even when we were far apart, even when we weren't thinking about God. God was thinking about us. God was like, we were like the prodigal son, and God was like the father who decided to humiliate himself. Why? For people, sinners like you and me. But no longer does he call us sinners. No, he doesn't just call us friends. He calls us sons, and he calls us daughters of the Most High God. And this is what it means to walk wisely. This is the beauty of the resurrection. This resurrection life that you and I get to experience, it's a free gift that God gives to us. We don't earn it. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. And it's incomprehensible. And so it's almost as if it's, it's a 180, if you will. Because as we're walking wisely before God, guess what happens? We begin to see that maybe... The thoughts that you and I have, when we say life is unfair, really isn't unfair. God's doing something. He's building something within us, a resolve, a perseverance. You remember what we read. It says this race that we are in is not given to the swift. There's no guarantee that you have intellectual capacity that you're going to have success over here. But that doesn't matter. What matters is, who am I living for? What am I living for? That's what begins to matter. And I know that this sometimes is a difficult task for you and me to, to understand. Why? How do I know that? I know it because... He had, Jesus had disciples that were walking with him on the earth for three, three and a half years, and they still didn't get it. They still decided to, to reject him. How are you going to live your life? In lieu that death is coming, it's, um, and I don't want to forget about it, but Jesus teaches us through his itinerary ministry that we ought to enjoy the pleasantries of life. These gifts that God gives us, we are to enjoy. And if you're anything like me, you find yourself often complaining about the blessings that God gives you, whether that be uh, material blessings or just the blessing of his presence being with us each and every single day. Your kids are acting up. 
It's okay. Why? Because now, for the New Testament believer, we are walking in the newness of life that Christ has provided for us. And when we look in the rearview mirror, what do we see? We see the cross of Christ. When we are riding by ourselves, who do we see riding beside us? Jesus. And you know what he's doing? He's showing us his wounds. He's telling you and me, I did this because you are lovable. So when life feels unfair, what do we go to? We go to an humble position that says, I don't understand. I've been living my life rightly. And isn't this a theme in the book of Ecclesiastes that it almost seems as if those who are living rightly get the short end of the stick. And those who are living wrongly get all the advantages. But this isn't true. No, not in lieu of the resurrection. That's where we place our hope. Because one day, all of the things that we've earned, these things may be, they're going to come and they're going to go. And at the tail end, guess what else? He hits us with another jab, something unexpected. He says, it only takes a sinner to go about, take what you've built, and utterly destroy it. Make that good thing no longer good. How are you living your life? My assumption is most of us on our good days are living our lives in accordance to what the scriptures say, that we are obeying Christ, that we are submitting to him, that we are enjoying the pleasantries of life that God gives to each and every single one of us. But there, when we have those days where we utterly forget, because I don't know about you, but your boy is a forgetful person. My wife had to remind me. She said, Anthony, you have prepared the sermon. I came up here. I was nervous. She said, you have prepared. You have gone over. You know what God has placed on your heart. You believe that you're right. These moments that just throw us off. She says, be rem remember to live in the power of this resurrection. The same power that God provided for Jesus to be resurrected is the same power that is now readily available to you and me. Death is not our final destination. No, as one pastor put it, John O., I would say his full name, but I don't want to butcher it. Um, John O. writes in, in one of his books, he says this. He says, what the resurrection teaches us is death is not our final destination, but it's a doorway into our eternal destination. Live in that. Walk in that. Because once we do that, and know when these life's problems come, because we all experience them, it's nothing strange that we're experiencing. You're probably doing something right. 
the enemy that is roaming to and fro, seeking someone to devour, he's not just going to sit around and just let you live your life for Jesus. He's going to challenge you. He's going to find those weak spots. But you and I, in lieu of the resurrection, know that death is not our final destination. And we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time.